listening to BuddhistGeeks.com, July 16th, 2007, Episode 21, Entrepreneurs and the Meditation Factory. In this episode, Vince interviews Theo Horesh and Duff McDuffie, two Goenka practitioners. They discuss the techniques of the Goenka tradition and how one might see it as a meditation factory. In the next episode, they discuss the power of the Goenka approach and possible criticisms of the practice. This is part one of a two-part series. This episode of Buddhist Geeks is sponsored by the Do No Harm Movement. To find out more about the Do No Harm Movement and to receive a free Do No Harm bumper sticker and wristband, please visit www.donoharm.us. All right, I'm sitting here today in the Falling Fruit Studios in Boulder, Colorado with Duff McDuffie and Theo Horesh. Hello. Hello. And uh, Duff is the one with the uh, voice that's a little bit lower in tone. Duff, can you say hi again? Hi. And this is Theo over here. Hi. Okay, cool. Duff and Theo are both practitioners, meditation practitioners from the SN Goenka tradition. I don't know if they'd say they're just practitioners from that tradition, but obviously they have a lot of experience there. So today we wanted to discuss a little bit about that tradition, and I guess I'll first ask them both to just describe a little bit what their experience has been in that tradition, how long have they been meditating, they've done a lot of retreats, that sort of thing. So maybe, uh, Duff, you could kick it off. Yeah, I'll kick it off. Um, well, I was actually introduced to the tradition by Theo here. Um, he encouraged me to go on my first 10-day retreat with, uh, on the Goenka tradition, and when he told me about it, I was really excited. I was like, yeah, that sounds super hardcore. I definitely want to go on that. And about day two, I wanted to kill Theo for three or four days. I was sitting right behind him, um, which was great. It was a great experience. Uh, afterwards, uh, luckily, I still had a friendship and uh, I apologized for sending rage towards Theo for multiple days. But after that, um, it was a really powerful retreat. And I ended up doing another 10-day course two years later. So those are the the, the courses I've done there. But Theo and I have also done uh, some longer retreats just together, about three longer retreats or so. And that's I found the practice to be really, really helpful in a lot of different ways. So we'll get into that later. But. Nice, nice. And Theo, you, you've had a long history of practicing in this yeah. tradition. Yeah, I've been sitting about 18 years altogether, I think, now. I initially found this tradition by going through Ram Das's Meditator's Guidebook, where he had all the meditation centers in the country listed, and I was looking for the most intensive practice I could find. And that was how I came across the Essen Goenka Vipassana. My experience with it has been really intense. I mean, I was doing month to two months of a intensive practice every year for quite a while. Um, I stayed in the tradition about 10 years. Now I mix it up quite a bit in my practice. Yeah, I, I struggled with the rigidity of the tradition a lot. And I loved it because it kept me really focused, but it was also um, deeply problematic, particularly in uh, the form of its dogmas. Mm, Okay, interesting. So one of the topics we wanted to discuss was actually around this particular tradition, one could look at it as though it were mass-producing meditators. So there are tons of these uh, retreat centers around the world, and usually the retreats, the 10-day retreats, are offered for free especially for beginning meditators, they're not actually 
uh, allowed to pay. So there's this huge system that spans the globe, and there are just thousands and thousands of people going in and doing these retreats, and probably a lot of them come back and do more retreats. So I was wondering if we could just kick the conversation off by talking about uh, mass production, and, and is the Goenka tradition just mass-producing meditators? Yeah, you could say that Essen Goenka is the Henry Ford of meditation, um, and it makes him a real innovator in a sense. I've often wondered how this form of doing retreats in the United States, these intensive meditation retreats, got not started but established. And I think that the Essen Goenka tradition had a large part in that. But it, it's interesting to consider. We have this practice, every detail of how the courses are set up can be mass produced. Um, you take an experienced meditator who can guide students that becomes an assistant teacher. They can put the tapes together. They find a place to do the course. They have all the materials, all the instructions, and they basically franchise out the center. Yeah, it's fascinating. I remember uh, just going into the the first course I was in, for those who aren't familiar with the course, during the day, the course is actually led by audio tape, um, which is a little bit bizarre, especially because Goenka has a very unique voice. And, uh, <laughs> start again. Um, really unique situation and at night there's a videotape of Goenka giving a Dharma talk which to some is very bizarre because there's some bowing and chanting just a little bit as well um, which may shock first year students until he explains what's going on to the video to To the the video video camera (laughs) it kind of seems like you're worshipping the video camera at first Uh, it's a little odd he goes into why and what the chant is and that sort of thing. But yeah, it, it makes it very consistent. Every course is the exact same wherever you do it in the entire world. And even though there are assistant teachers, the assistant teachers even have very precise things and instructions they give when you go up and talk to them, um, which makes it very, very consistent. Yeah, add, add to this that uh, the evening lecture happens at prime time. So you're watching it on TV, <laughs> this very funny teacher. And I had to ask a lot of questions about how this tradition was utilizing American cultural traditions uh, to fuel itself, to fuel people's focus. Mm. There's a major emphasis on work. Goinka will, will sit there on the tapes as we're meditating, saying, work, 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 patiently and persistently. Patiently and persistently. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very American thing to uh, focus so much on work. It's uh, almost the Puritan ethic coming through the Buddhist tradition. Protestant ethic in the spirit of capitalism, or as I've called it, entrepreneurs in the meditation factory. Um, How we've twisted in the age of the baby boomers um, an American tradition of Protestant rigidity that fueled capitalism according to some sociologists like Max Weber and we've integrated that into a Buddhist framework very successfully interesting why do you think um, Goenka did that I mean was he I mean I know he was a businessman was he most mostly motivated by his business experience to do that you think or um, was it his teacher Uba Kin who was a Burmese uh, government official or how did I wonder how Goenka got onto this uh, under this mass production uh, work ethic kick? I think, first of all, he was capable of it where other meditation teachers weren't capable of it. He had better organizational skills. And that leads to a lot of the benefits of the tradition. 
it's the cheapest intensive meditation I've been able to find anywhere. The McDonald's All- Big Mac of meditation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, I also think um, he valued much less personal integration um, or higher development in individuals and much more deeper integrity. I think he saw a lot of... Um, I imagine that he saw a lot of the intensity of the business world and he burned through a lot more ego stuff than a lot of the other teachers coming to meditation. A lot more of a certain kind of ego stuff. And he also had a lot, probably had a lot less dynamism as, a, as an individual. Um, and for him, it's just very pragmatic realism um, that seems to have fueled this. Yeah, you want to go deep in meditation? Well, let's create a format to do that. Mm. Interesting. And my understanding was he's the he was the first one in these in these retreats to start institutionalizing the strict silence and to really start bringing Ubakin's original teachings into a much more tight, structured format. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how he portrays this as the practice that the Buddha has taught. <laughs> and we've been doing for 2,500 years now. And if you go back, you start to find that the tradition peters out, you know, a couple of teachers before Ubakan. I'm not sure. I can't remember how far it goes back. You, you lose track of who the teachers were. Um, it starts to become clear that Ubakan was teaching him something a little different in a little bit of a different format. And it starts to become clear over the years of being in the Essen Goenka tradition that this has changed. It's been experimented with. It's um, mm. been played with. The model has been perfected in some ways, um, but is portrayed as timeless, the infinite tradition. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how we can separate the format out from the specific meditation practice mm. in, 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 in the sense that the format structures the whole way we approach meditation. Um, it, if we're meditating intensively for a week-long time, Vipassana meditation is going to be a radically different experience than if we meditate an hour a day. It's going to be radically different than if we do it at set times and if we do it when we feel like doing it. Mm. If yeah, yeah, that's something that uh, struck me because my first long retreat was in this tradition. Um, and then I started talking to other people who are meditators and found out that almost nobody does it like this. I mean, this is so unique, except maybe Vince has experience in uh, the... Uh, Insight Meditation Society doing longer retreats. Right, and there's some similar similar roots there, which is part of the reason probably. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of people who meditate actually don't meditate in this style. They don't do 10 full days in silence, 12, 13 hours a day, um, continuous practice. It's often like a weekend retreat or a, a, and other, other traditions seem to focus more on the daily practice um, as being the core. And in this version, it's, an hour in the morning and an hour at night is daily practice, which is really intense as it is. But that's not the core. That's just kind of maintenance or integration. And the core is going on these 10-day retreats at least once a year, minimum, if not twice or more a year. Yeah, one of the interesting things about that is it's been crafted in a way that it fits the American vacation quite well. <laughs> and the American vacation is actually a rather new phenomenon historically. Mm. Um, People didn't used to work so much. It's from an era of mass production. Mm. And people used to go, and I think it was in the 50s that we discovered beaches. Um, 
I'm not positive about this. It was sometime around the 50s, 60s, <laughs> people started going on vacation to beaches. And now we've changed that to people go on vacation to meditation intensives and yoga retreats. Mm. And it, it's just fascinating how they've found this way of sticking the practice into our lives. But I don't think that this practice would succeed in Western industrialized countries if, there, if they weren't able to demonstrate that it makes us more productive somehow. And that's mm. been the real success of mm. S.N. Goenka. He pushes people to be productive meditators, to work. And, but yeah. it changes the way we approach meditation. It changes the way we approach spirituality. Here's a question. Um, what does S.N. Goenka, in any of these uh, audio or video talks, does he talk about what the purpose of the practice is? And what, what is that purpose? To develop equanimity. Ah, interesting. So simple, and also to clear out all your old stock of sankaras. Yes, um, interesting. Which is very different. Uh, Vince and I, you and I, have talked about this as being a different approach than, say, the Insight Meditation Society takes, um, or some teachers that you've worked with. Perhaps Daniel. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, Daniel Ingram. Um, in terms of clearing out all your sankaras, um, some people argue that's impossible, and others. Uh, it seems like Goenka argues that that just starts happening all of a sudden, and what specifically that means. But yeah, and what what are sanskaras? So this is that just karmic reactive patterns, oh, habit okay. patterns of the mind is another way of putting it. So the practice is um, it's not just intense in the amount that that we do. It's um, focused on bodily sensations, um, noticing bodily sensations, the changing nature of bodily sensations, but we're noticing them all throughout the body in very specific places. Mm -hmm. He recommends focusing on the bodily sensations as opposed to, say, the breath, um, the changing nature of the breath or changing nature of auditory or visual sensations and that we have good or bad feelings associated with the bodily sensations. And the bodily sensations are much more subtle. So by encouraging us to go to a much more subtle level, we're going to be dealing with much more deeply rooted patterns in ourselves. Interesting. So then we intensify the process of freak out in meditation courses, which is pretty <laughs> regular, I think, in all traditions. But I've tended to find that with the SN Goenka Vipassana practice, more intensive cravings, desires, and aversions arise. Mm. Is it, does that have something to do with the structure being so structured? The, the, the structure being more intensive, I think, plays into it, but I also think it's the meditation practice so as well. The technique itself, yeah. focusing on the, the body sensations. Yeah. Okay. And after becoming somewhat advanced in it, my experience was that I just couldn't, I couldn't, hand, my body would just get burnt from it in some mm -hmm. ways. I'd have to continually go back to the breath in a, a very simple way, or I would get worn out mm -hmm. because my concentration was strong enough that it became difficult. Mm -hmm. This has been a presentation of BuddhistGeeks.com, copyright 2007. Music in this podcast provided by c for chaos For more great music and writing, visit his blog at www.c4chaos.com. Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference, hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th 
through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Dancy, abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and pragmatic Dharma provocateur, Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information and to register, visit BuddhistGeeks.com slash conference. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.